Welcome to Footnotes, a behind-the-scenes look at what we value and why it matters here at Footnote Church in Glendora, California. Well, hey, welcome back to Footnotes. This is Brian Martinez subbing in for the great uh, Esteban Capenrath. Joined today with uh, the wondrous Ike Isabel Graham. How you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to, good to see you. Yeah, Thanks and uh, okay, yeah. enough with you. The first time ever, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. we got a real jewel here. We got Christopher yeah. Wong with us. I don't us. think anybody's ever called me a jewel before. Well, you, you ruined it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chris, welcome yeah, to the podcast, thanks, man. man. Uh, new to the podcast, but uh, but just man, we're, we're glad to have you. Hey, why don't you tell the people? Um, most people probably know uh, who you are, but, but for a lot of people, you're, you're a real behind the scenes guy. If you, I've if I've done my job right, people don't know who I am. <laughs> I guess oh, yeah. So what? Good thought yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? What you do at Foothill? Yeah. 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 Totally. I am the uh, lead technical engineer on Foothill Church's staff. So I maintain, operate upgrade, you know, kind of coordinate the whole AV um, side of, of worship. So uh, in terms of, you know, uh, getting the band, you know, mic'd up on, on Sunday mornings, um, even our side projects, the things that we do, like music videos, um, you know, video projects, stuff like that. Uh, I run Impact on Wednesday nights, um, chapels for the school, you know, yeah. kind of just like running uh, front of house most of the time. But, you know, kind of, yeah, uh, man behind the scenes is, is mostly where I stay. Totally, yeah. So, so Foothill, let me just say, if, if you've been around with us in person and you were there, like when we were doing services outside or yeah, part of like yeah. our live streaming and stuff, like Chris Wong had a giant hand in that. Yeah. Which is funny because you have pretty small hands in real life. Yeah. But, but uh, it, yeah. Uh, unnaturally small. They're really awkward. <laughs> they, they make it difficult to shop. You're well, um, <laughs> well, we're not really here to talk about what you do in tech. Thank I mean, I, I want to shout that out, yeah, but yeah. but really you're here for yeah, your, your yeah. true nerdiness in the yeah, subject yeah, of... Yeah. Uh, of a movie that came out last year, mm-hmm. uh, Denis Villeneuve's masterpiece, Dune. 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 Guys, we got we got to talk about this movie. I'm, I'm excited. Do. Masterpiece is an understatement. I feel like. Yeah. So re- real quick, some background on this. If, if you're not major like you know cinema nerds like like we are, we'd like to mm-hmm. uh, about once a month or so we like to talk about some culture stuff, and sometimes we throw movies in there. And this movie came out last year, but. That's been on the back burner. We, we thought this movie was great, and there's a lot of stuff we want to say about it. So just kind of describing it to the people. Some people who love this movie, some people who sure. don't care. Some people have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, so let's just talk about Dune a little bit. How would you describe Dune? Like, what's what makes it special? Before well, we get to the Brian, movie. if I may interject, please. I don't know why I have this authority, but I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. No, but I think one thing that's helpful at this table, we have kind of three different types of movie watchers here. <laughs> Because you yeah. are kind of more, you're harder on movies. Yeah. And he's like, I, I'm in this movie or I'm, I'm not into it or whatever. Myself, I'm into movies. Uh, I'm very, very forgiving. And, but I also really didn't really know much about Dune at all until mm-hmm. this movie came out. Whereas Chris Wong yeah. uh, really loves movies, also knows a lot about it. So we can kind of represent a lot of different personalities here. Yeah. You're yeah. kind of the guy who's always coming out of the movie theater with a smile on your face. I yeah I a little background I I did go to school for cinema and television arts so like I I did oh, oh, oh. I, I did I did the uh, like the very traditional film class kind of background so like you know I learned about like Dutch angles and and all that nonsense that had that drilled into my brain um, but also yeah I I read Dune in college um, so I've been looking forward to this movie and. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of dove headfirst into my enthusiasm for this movie since it was released or announced. Even yeah, that's good. That's a good uh, yeah. background. I so yeah, you so you genuinely like you love the the joy of films. You yeah. really love it. 
Ike, you're like, I'm just, I'm here to be entertained. I want to like, I love the art. You're an art guy. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm pretty stinking cynical. And so I'd say mm-hmm. like, I love movies. I could probably count on my 10 fingers. How many movies I think are good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, uh, I can be a punk, but I, I really enjoyed Dune. So, mm-hmm. so let's yeah. talk about Dune real quick. What, yeah, yeah. what makes Dune special? Why is Dune something that like we should, we should mm-hmm. talk about? Uh, well, I think first and foremost, let me, let me backtrack a bit. So the movie Thor, yeah. Didn't think I was going about Thor, but yeah, Kenneth was Branagh it. was asked to direct that, uh-huh. and people were like, "Kenneth Branagh, you're like you're a Shakespearean, you know, guy. Like you're every yeah. it, tremendous uh, acting and story street cred." They said, "Why are you going to do Thor?" And he was saying, "Like, like it's a, it's a comic movie." He's like, "This isn't a comic book movie. Do you realize some of the stuff we do in Shakespeare? And yeah. like, this is like a story about people and war, and like that's so that's how I'm coming brotherhood to this movie. betrayal. It, yeah, yeah it, to him, he he was kind of like." You guys are actually the ones who seem like you don't really understand what's going on. Like this yeah. is an incredible story, and you're shortchanging it because based on some kind of yeah. I don't know, stigma sh- of stigma idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when when I I think what I think is special about Dune is really it's a it's a political drama. It's uh, it's coming of age. Mm-hmm. It's about you know deep family. You know it's there's a, a epic and war scale and mm-hmm. things like that. And I think one thing that's important to recognize what's important uh, what's special about it is if I put my ministry hat on for a second, is empathy for other people. So for example, I'm in conversations with people, and if you're kind of like, I'm just not into that, so I'm not going to see these things, you kind of just write off every genre. Uh, like for example, like I love watching Anne Green Gables, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I love watching movies with my kids because there's always good themes. And so that's a kind of, to take it from macro to micro example, I'd say I'm chatting with somebody and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm into surfing. I'm like, oh, I'm not really into surfing. So I'm not, I'm not into this discussion. If you can ha- kind of have, uh, if you can enjoy movies that have great stories and themes, you can build your empathy. So it actually helps you in everyday life, talking to people and being interested about something else. Cause you will find common themes, common things that are, uh, that are meaningful across all genres. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Dune is, uh, incredibly layered. I mean, the, the book on its own is like over 700 pages, not counting. It's like six sequels. Like it's an incredibly layered story. Um, yeah, it has to do with, you know, uh, uh, deep seated, like, um, family ambition and, uh, the ties between like fathers and sons and sons and daughters, um, has a lot to do with not just it being a sci-fi story, because frankly, a lot of it being a sci-fi story doesn't affected i mean it, it really is like a shakespearean story you know in so far as it's about these this the son paul and his um struggles with uh ambition and his his father's legacy like weighing over him and him realizing that he's the culmination of several non-exclusive like prophecies where he is like the chosen one of multiple different people um, so it's kind of hmm. about the weight of of glory and legacy on him and the pressure of trying to live up to family expectations, even, you know, bringing it to a, a very modern context. Um, I think it's uh, a great, fa- a fantastic film. Um, I think it is worth watching and be- because of all those factors that it doesn't just translate into sci-fi nerds looking at huge explosions and um, cool CGI or practical effects. It, it really is a, a, a human story about, you know, um, a son trying to live up to his father's expectations and live past them and, and grow in his own. And yeah. even aside from all that beauty, I was going to say visually yeah. and yeah. audio-wise, Milestone. Oh, yeah. Un, like, 
there's so many things just because I did, I went to a recording school and you know and I, I basically I listen to music I listen for details every day I was listening and so many, there's so many that you can hear little errors and like you can tell where some guys like look I, I'm on a time crunch I can't spend five hours on this one part I don't know they, that it's like flawless the sound yeah. and the yeah. and the visual it's unbelievable what they've accomplished yeah it it actually had like a like a quick kind of side thing here it released in theaters and on hbo max simultaneously so you had a yeah. bit of this kind of like divide right where like you go see it the right way quote unquote in theaters yeah. or you could do what plebeians like me did and watch it on your couch uh in between your kids waking up and so what, what was that experience like you guys both saw it in theaters right you guys had this like religious experience yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I saw it i believe the total number i saw it six times i think maybe five and a half times yeah we're gonna edit that out to leave you some respect <laughs> to leave you some respect yeah, yeah. yeah for sure for sure you know i i wear it with pred i i don't yeah so i actually yeah, i saw you single it. ladies hey you know you want to talk about about Dune for you know 45 minutes uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I saw it in almost each of its formats I watched it on HBO at home I watched it in Dolby IMAX I watched it you know with like Dolby Atmos um, and yeah it really did make a difference and I think people were kind of watching a couple different movies if you weren't if depending on which which medium you watched it in because um, the scope and scale of some of its visual effects are just translate differently you know whether you're sitting in a movie theater or if you're sitting on your couch at home yeah well let's, let's talk about that just for like two minutes Ike you had like we had kind of a, a, a gentle like not even a squabble but you, you definitely had an opinion on this and so in this age of like streaming versus cinema and all this I, I think it's good to just think about this stuff and so so real quick quick avenue here yeah what was your kind of whole thing because you had a real like real thoughts on why people should go to the theaters right yeah, it's created for the theater experience. Yeah. And there's a lot of details visually, um, audio-wise. But even in acting, the way they do angles, like you need, they're expecting that you can see so much and catch this. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. I, fe I feel what's happening now is they're starting to uh, purposely just kind of concede to people's, I just need to consume it this way. I'm, I'm just going to be drinking my coffee and I'll catch five minutes here. I'll do it here. You know, and I, I, the, home, the home video experience is getting a lot better. Uh, but I, I do have a little bit of an elitist side of me. It's like, look, the artist designed it to be took in this way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, go go see it that way if you can. But I, I'm not yeah. going to like say it's required. I do think sometimes some movies some movies are not are not art, and so people try to act like they are. But for example, let's say you have a fine painting, and it's released at an art gallery. Um, you wouldn't just want to take that painting off the wall and run by the alley and go, hey, dude, check out this painting. Isn't that cool? Hey, let, me, let me put it in your face real quick and like, walk 10 feet away, walk around. I feel like you need yeah. to sit and hear mm -hmm. the way it was intended. Or look at a picture of it on your iPhone or something. It, yeah. It's different, yeah. Yeah, and there's even like this real, I mean, we talk about this movie versus stream, especially in COVID. It seems so like unimportant, uh, but there is like, there's things behind it that drive us in these different directions. There's this really individualistic push that's pushing us just towards watching it at home. Like, and I, I I'm leading this. I love watching it on my couch and doing all this, but sure. there is something about like you seclude away from the group and, and you just see that. I mean, it, it may sound a little strange to make these connections, but you also see this and like, I don't want to go to church if I can just watch it and streaming. You know, mm -hmm. there's this yeah. push of like, I want to have it my way, the on demand. Thing. Well, you even heard so, Chris talk about making, I'm, I'm comparing Dune to communion, but Chris talks about communion is not some kind of little private me God kind of moment. Like this is a corporate, uh, you know, practice that we do. Yeah. And I think with with art and, and movies, uh, I think some of these movies are way better, much more impactful watching them as a group. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you just you just kind of do it by yourself. I think it's more kind of consumptive. Nice. Well, next time I, I lead the people in communion, I'll be sure to drop that. Yeah, yeah. That kind so, of and go see Dune. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is hey, just we're gonna like come Dune. together in one house, like like House of Trades, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's get back into like the specifics of the movie. I think we can all say we all like the movie. We all yeah, thought yeah, it was great. Sure. Yeah, you you love yeah. it. You're gonna get a tattoo of it on your chest, Chris. I thought about <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but well, let's talk about the specifics of the movie. Uh, like like the actual premise, just kind of like like give me sure. the the quick, um, the wiki notes of like what is this movie about, and maybe even like what if people who maybe they're not big sci-fi people or they miss it, what should they know before watching this movie? So the movie takes place uh, super far in the future. You don't really need to know the date. Super far in the future, um, AI doesn't exist, and uh, House of Trades. You can kind of think of them like. Like, AI doesn't exist because AI like took over the world, right? Yeah, and it, yeah. They've killed us. Now it's like high tech machinery without AI. Exactly. It's but yeah. That's, that, that's cool. one. That's one uh, small part of the the movie that it, it, of the books that doesn't get really mentioned in the movies. Yeah, several thousands of years before the start of the movie, um, Skynet happens basically, and the human race is taken over by AI machines. Um, humans uh, uh, have a rebellion and rise up against uh, the AI, defeat them. And from that day onward, humanity declares uh, no machine will be made in likeness of a human form. So no thinking machines, nothing even past the calculator. So that's why you don't see any any fancy holograms or fancy technology in Dune. It's very, uh, people fight with like swords still, you know, because computers don't exist they do everything by hand essentially or they train themselves to be able to do things subconsciously yeah it's this really cool juxtaposition right of like yeah. this way far into the future there's intergalactic space travel but there's also this medieval feel of like it there's totally. these there's these royal houses so i mentioned yeah. like house of trades also have yeah. house harkonnen they yep. all go to an emperor so there's like this feudalistic thing yeah. it's, it's very yeah. much this yeah this like this this yeah. emperor this yeah middle age aesthetic with Juxtaposed with with sci-fi elements in there, but but from like a thirty thousand foot view, uh, I, I maybe you give us like what is kind of like the big general story here? Like what, I, what I think of it as kind of like you know it reminds me of like Romeo and Juliet, it's like the yeah. two houses, right. you know, totally. and or or even think of like an old gangster movie, mm-hmm. um, like and uh, but Justice, instead of like Justice people sharks, yeah, instead of people like uh, fighting over like you know street corners and you know neighborhoods and things like that these houses have control of like planets and all their resources. And so basically mm-hmm. we find ourselves with these houses kind of in a fight over this planet, uh, Arrakis, des- Arrakis which is a desert planet and is very difficult to live on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we also find ourselves with a, with a lead character, a young guy who's trying to live in his father's legacy. There's a lot of like betrayal and all that kind of good stuff going on. So it's kind of like this, like houses, betrayal, war, and a very difficult uh, planet. Then you throw in a little bit of spirituality, like a little bit of like you know visions and uh, and things like that. So it's it's got these really kind of nice uh, mm-hmm. themes all playing together. Yeah. So Herbert wrote this. It was the it was the sixties when he wrote yeah, this. Right. Okay. This is before Star Wars came out in seventy seven. A big yeah. a big influence for Lucas. Uh, but some of like his influences and, and the themes that he touches on. I mean, it's kind of a not so subtle uh, commentary on what was going on with oil. Uh, mm-hmm. especially in those kind of like Middle Eastern regions. So the big resource they're going after is the spice. And it's the most mm-hmm. important resource in the galaxy. It's, it's You need this for intergalactic space travel. also has mm-hmm. all sorts of different benefits. So it's longer. a very yep. not-so-subtle stand-in for oil mm-hmm. and the different you know military feuds and things going yep. on over yep. that. Um, so that's kind of your, your general idea. And also we should point out that this is actually part one, right? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is maybe the first 40% of the first book. 
uh, may, maybe, you know, yeah. there's still a whole lot of content that's in that first chunk of the book. That's, that's not in this movie. Um, movie's still fantastic, but yeah, this is maybe the first 40 ish percent. It was funny. Time. I, I kind of had PTSD because I remember I saw Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was kind of like Chris, like I knew everything about Lord of the Rings yeah. excited. I remember hearing people go like, well, that was a terrible ending. Fellowship of the Ring. Like, so where's it going next? But yeah. if you talk to people who, those same people, when they saw all three movies, were like, oh, I get it. What a beautiful story. But Dune kind of ends that same way. It's kind of like mid-story, but it's a great ending. It makes makes you really want to see the second part when it comes out. Well, now let's talk about just like the actual themes behind it. Because yeah. uh, Dune is, is, is really packed with so much stuff. Like I said, it's totally. this, this yeah. commentary from a 60s perspective on what's going on with oil. And there's mm-hmm. even some commentary on kind of Islam a little bit. You can see yeah. those influences a lot. Uh, religion. Uh huge commentary and all that. So, so what are, and just in the movie itself, when you guys watch this, what were, there's so many things. So just one or two themes that, that stuck out to you, things that, that started you thinking deeply about something in, in, in your faith or just in life in general. Like what are the things that pushed you into some, some other thinking? Yeah. Uh, one of the, the analogies that really stuck out to me that I always kept coming back to is, um, I mean, I'm a sucker for father son stories. Mm. I think like road to perdition is one of my favorite movies. Um, stories that you know have to deal with fathers passing on their legacies to their sons and sons taking on that legacy and trying to to do right by them so the 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 theme that really stuck out to me was yeah kind of paul taking on well he frankly has a couple of different father figures in the movie but his his main father uh or his, his birth father uh oscar isaac's character duke leto the exchange that they have um just before they leave to go take on this new planet um, about the ambition and, and fear and hesitation that Paul might have um, with taking these things on. So they, they talk about an analogy of fighting bulls. And uh, Paul says, you know, why, why you know, I want to go to this new planet. Why are we being so careless? Um, you know, grandfather fought bulls when he was a kid. And Duke Leto says, well, that's what got him killed. You know, like he kind of warning him against um, ambition. So I think the 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 theme between the the father and the son and kind of, warning them uh lead a warning paul about you know biting off more than he can chew which kind of is ironic later in the movie when he has you know kind of developed into a, a man is is really interesting and i always kind of play with that in my head you know just thinking about the interplay between those two characters is really really uh moving for me and, and always draws me back yeah it's uh, just a second on that theme uh it's very powerful feeling in, in that movie. You, like you, there's a sense of dread because they're going to this planet, and they, they talk about how the grandfather, you know, died, you know, you know fighting bulls, and you kind of get this. They really do a good job of, of building dread of what's going to happen, yeah. and you totally respect the father. Like he is like the father. It's a great father figure in the movie. He's yeah. a great yeah. figure. Yeah. He all the generals love him. Like his you know his his people love him, and you kind of feel like it's, like these, it's these noble people surrounded by evil you know uh, mm-hmm. ambition for the wrong reasons and, and and things like that so that's that 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 draws you in right away it's very very powerful uh i think the the theme that really kind of got me too was um you kind of get the sense that people are so like oh this this planet is is terrible and they kind of long they, there's a couple comments it's more in the book which i started to read after the movie because i thought the movie was so good uh of like could we change this planet into something else can we do this can we can we kind of make it more to our fitting and our image and really the the planet because the way it is actually enables them uh to be able to you know fight off people that they never would be able to do so otherwise so it's kind of like embracing your constraints that rather than trying to make everything in your image and just make more and more of the same um what's the planet that seems so terrible 
also offers the one thing that the whole universe needs, you know, uh, that spice. And so it's, um, yeah, really interesting. So many themes, so many things. I mean, we talked about this earlier. So Paul, the main character, the yeah. son of the Duke, he goes. He, you can see some kind of like some Christian elements of like yeah. the sun going down, the chosen one, and he's this Messiah. Yeah. For you're right for so many people. I think that's also a really interesting thing too. Mm-hmm. He's not just the chosen one. Normally, when we have these chosen one stories, mm-hmm. like you know, The Matrix, Harry Potter. Uh, all these things it's kind of like for one group of people he represents mm-hmm. one group but in this mm-hmm. case it's different he's like the chosen one for like four different factions yeah. that don't really yeah. have a lot to unite mm-hmm. them and so yeah. it's yeah. just kind of like you don't want to read too much into these things but it is kind of like okay I think for us I, it made me think a little bit about like when, when we think we kind of claim Jesus as our own for our own tribes our own mm-hmm. like you know western mm-hmm. Christian evangelical kind of thing and then we do forget like Jesus is the savior is the king for everyone for, for everyone for the, the, yeah. the whole world and so with that we, we tend to have our own perceptions of who he is we kind of read things in addition to the bible we we have these exclusions right we, we shape jesus in in our image a bit like we have this you know the, the white european jesus with the yeah. flowing hair mm-hmm. or is like he, he was a jew in, in the middle of <laughs> yeah. like, you know you yeah. don't look like that <laughs> yeah. you know like um, he didn't have a hairstylist you he, know, he, he, book appointments with most yeah. likely not yeah uh and so we do this yeah kind of like we really claim it for our own when he is this this messiah the savior for all the nations and mm-hmm. so again dune is not this it's, it's not preaching christian theology here but you can for definitely sure, see yeah. the influences and it's just it's good sometimes i think it's helpful to look at art and look at a secular perspective on things and i mean dude the, the biblical narrative it's written on all our hearts and so i think it just mm-hmm. comes out in art and it's good it's, for christians to isn't see that amazing that. like yeah. even, even people who seem like you think the matrix that, that really would not give any credit or glory to god the, yeah, the narrative of of one person being the the sacrifice, the savior of all, yeah, is just finds a way in so many different stories, and uh, I, I I just wish more people would see that. Yeah, any other just just last minute things into Dune uh, that, that you guys want to talk about? Maybe some parallels in the faith, or just some things that stuck out. So some ending thoughts on on Denis Villeneuve's Dune. One thing that really stuck with me was just a kind of a random scene was as all the prophecies and uh, that. Paul, the main character, had heard, but also he'd get these visions hmm. of things to come, but they'd always play out a little bit differently. Yeah, and yeah. we think of faith. For example, uh, I'm sure it ha- I haven't got that, got there in the book yet, and maybe even plays out differently in the, at the end of the story. But there's this guy that he has eventually has to one on one fight, yeah. and he's going to uh, kill. He basically wins the fight. But in this vision, before he ever met this guy, this guy's smiling at him, and they're kind of like, it looks like he's over a fire or holding the sand or something. They're so like buddies, like, yeah. They're like buddies. Yeah. He's like, but like, I'm going to show you the ways of the desert. And I kind of thought, and none of this was the original intention, but it was kind of like, he, when he first fought this guy, he was trying to like subdue him, not kill him. And then mm-hmm. he was learning that in the culture, like you they can't accept that you have to kill yeah. him. So by killing him, he started to learn the ways of the desert and kind of like lose a little bit of his like, royal court kind of like life but to kind of you know, migrate in with these you know, these desert people and uh so the, the whole idea of prophecies being pretty spot on but also very different in their execution was interesting to me as we read things like you know revelation everybody wonders like are you know i'm not i'm not gonna get into that somebody's gonna jump on this but, but there's a lot of things like how literal are some of these prophecies and uh and so i thought that i thought that was really interesting and also there was a sense of people having doubts because of previous, uh, there's this group called the Bene Gesserits. Yep. So, so it, clear, it seems very clear that Paul, the main guy, is going to be the hero, the chosen one. But they kind of also say that there's people going ahead of them purposely trying to 
religiously manipulate people, say, look, here comes the chosen one, but he also is the chosen one. So it's like this, there's doubts going on and manipulation going on, but also truth is right there with it. And I think that in our Christian faith, there's some things are like, man, I, I, I don't get this, or there's some things I've been hurt by in the past, but the truth is, is right in front of you. And uh, so there's some nice kind of parallels of like dealing with doubt while you have the truth right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Paul is, um, he's the chosen one come a generation early is kind of his whole thing is that he's, Mm. he's actually not his uh, son or the next generation after him was supposed to be the chosen one, but he is actually the chosen one. And um, that's also part of why there's so much like mystery and obscurity about like what is his purpose is because he's kind of disrupted the entire system. And um, even though he has doubts and doesn't know exactly what to do with himself, he is still kind of the savior of these people. Um, So I I think that's also a fantastic theme of having to embrace things that you're, you're afraid of and you don't know the whole truth. I think of the way that, that, God works in ways that we don't understand and, and mysteries that we don't uh, fully comprehend, um, but he still works and he still works for good. So uh, I think that's a really interesting um, theme that I, I just loved. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that was Dune. If you haven't seen it, we encourage you to watch it. I think it's off HBO Max right now, but you mm. can you can rent it or, or buy it on streaming. It'll eventually come back around. But, but yeah, it was, it was good. I think we all enjoyed it. It was fun talking about these things. Chris, definitely. thank you for coming out of the, the shadows of tech to talk about <laughs> yeah. this stuff I'm with glad us. you guys let me out of my cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if he's yeah. done his job well, you'll go see Dune. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Well, well, that is Dune. That is it. Thanks, guys, for hanging out and then chatting sure. about this with for us. Sure. We'll see you next time. All right. Well, we're out of time. But thanks for joining us for our podcast, Footnotes. Be sure to subscribe. And we'd also appreciate you sharing this resource with others and even leaving us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. So until next time, Foothill, peace be with you. You know, you want to talk about Dune for, you know, 45 minutes? Uh, (laughs)